Ben, because I'm hearing two different things. I'm hearing, I'm hearing that he's kind of a pu pushover, but I'm also hearing that he's. Uh, you know what? I just went live on YouTube. I can't talk about this now. Let me call you later. All right, bye. Sorry, that was my dad. He wanted to talk about politics with me, just as I was about to go live here on YouTube. Welcome to another episode of The Jeff Show. My name is Jeff. This is my show where I just sort of discuss a potpourri of things. It's not primary, It's not focused on the misfits. It's not pizza punk. It's not foodies confidential. It's just stuff that I like to talk about. Got to tell you, my headset sucks. I need to get a new one. I really like having this headset. I miss having the shotgun set up, but that wasn't working for me. So got to find some sort of in-between. Um, so I love horror films and talking about horror things. And so this topic I thought was rather interesting. It's something I wanted to discuss uh, with all of you. Uh, and and this article, this article sort of uh, alludes to something that I feel even more passionately about. But let's start with the article first, okay? I saw this was posted by my friend Dave Wilson. Shout out to Dave. He runs uh, the Cinegore thing, and he's a writer, great writer, um, and just a consumer of you know media uh, as am I. So this was written by uh, this was shared by Dave in one of his groups, and it was uh, sort of detailing. I guess it's sort of like one of those takes, you know. When a movie first comes out, uh, it's sort of not infallible. Infallible is not the right word, but it's like, you know, it's shiny and new. And so people are sort of blinded to the reality of a situation because something, oh, it's so shiny and new, wrapped up in cellophane. I love it, you know, uh, and they forget or they sort of overlook some of the imperfections. And then after a few years, the imperfections really bubble to the surface and people sort of, you know, accept these movies for what they really are, what they really aren't. Um, and, I, you know, I was never really blinded by Halloween H4O, a.k.a. Halloween 2018, um, bind, blinded by the, the shiny new rapper. Uh, I was excited to see it. It was, you know, it made a huge splash in the horror community uh, at large. You know, everybody was thirsty for a new Halloween film. You know, the problem with me, though, is I am not, the Halloween franchise is not a sacred cow. I should say this all the time. Halloween franchise, not a sacred cow for me. I'm a scream man all the way. Uh, Sydney Prescott is my Laurie Strode. So I am super indifferent, indifferential to Laurie Strode and Halloween and all that jazz. My favorite Halloween film is Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. And I'm not trying to be like, you know, hipster about it or like be cool before it was cool. It's just like the honest truth. That's just how, that's just what I prefer. Um, I, I was never a big Michael Myers guy. If the, my favorite version of the Michael Myers story is Rob Zombie's version. And I'm not even a fan of Rob Zombie. I don't really care. I think Rob Zombie's an old maker. So that really just goes to show you how unbiased I am. You know, I know that's sacrilege to Halloween fans, but I liked what he did with the story. I do have respect for the original Halloween, Halloween 78, which I saw on the big screen with uh, Halloween H2O uh, two or three years ago when they, well, three years ago, 2018, they did a, a special thing. Kyle says, hi, Kyle. Thank you for joining us. Kyle says, Halloween has been thrown around so much over the years that the timelines are all over the place to the degree of ridiculousness. Thank you, Kyle, for, for mentioning that. That's yeah. I would say that the, the Halloween, um, the Halloween franchise is so convoluted. It's just as convoluted. Kyle, would you agree with me in that the, um, the Texas chainsaw massacre franchise sort of suffers the same fate, but you know, I've often said this too. If you've ever seen back to the future part two, there's a scene where Marty is walking through Hill Valley and he comes upon a marquee at the local, you know, cinema uh, for Jaws 19. And I always laughed at Jaws 19 because in my mind I was thinking, oh, this is like, this is an alternate future where there is a, there's a Jaws 19. Like how ridiculous could you imagine how many times, you know, what could you possibly say about Jaws after Jaws the Revenge in which a shark, an indifferent shark goes to get a revenge on a family that lives on land. How ridiculous with Michael Caine, no less, um, who who is often said about that movie that it bought him a nice pool. Um, 
I have often thought that perhaps a sign that we are living in an alternate reality uh, is the is is by the no uh, or the, that we're living in an alternate reality by the notion that we have eleven or something Halloween films all about Michael Myers. Like it's pretty funny when you think about it. Like I, I like to think that the real timeline is after Halloween two, they did what they took it in the direction that they tried to with Halloween three. They they turned into an anthology series that was truly loved and cherished and revered. And every year since 1983 or 1982, whenever the uh, the third Halloween film came out, we've gotten a new Halloween film, just the way that people love American horror stories so much, right? Um, because it's just an anth- it's a seasonal anthology thing. I love American horror story. I, I really do. I'll go to any American horror story outing, no matter how atrocious uh, some of those seasons are. Um, but no, 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 no. We got, we live in the alternate reality where they, they, man, they just, they stretch that taffy so thin that it snapped. I, I just, they, it's like, it's like trying to stretch a, a Laffy Taffy bar across the Grand Canyon. If you ask me personally, I think that everything that needed to be said about Michael Myers was said in Halloween too, when he dies, spoilers in a fiery explosion with with uh dr loomis played by donald pleasance that's it we don't need any more michael myers take it great season of the witch great give give us something else you know what i mean but you know they kept it going and so in 1998 dimension was at the height of its dimension powers god dimension was a great era for for horror films and genre cinema and yada 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 you know um they did a they did a you know they revisited the halloween series they they sort of to put a final end cap on it, they they brought back Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode, and uh, she faces off against her brother, and that's the Michael Myers gets his head chopped off. The end. And then they took that dead horse, they brought it to Herbert West, the reanimator, and they injected that dead horse with reagent, and it came back for Halloween Resurrection, where Buster Rhymes went up against Michael Myers, and Laurie Strode gets killed off in the opening scene, which I'm afraid they're going to do in the new screen movie one of the big three dewey gale or sydney is going to die in the opening scene i'm i shudder at the thought but i think it's the only direction that they can go that you know they keep talking about how that how everything is what they're doing oh so much balls you know that's what they're going to do much to my dismay uh kyle says tcm does do that to a lesser degree but it still gives people who don't know any better a headache trying to figure things out. We're referring to Kyle's first comment, which was a little bit earlier. Halloween has been thrown around so much over the years that the timelines are all over the place. So, you know, in my opinion, H2O, if, I mean, really, if you have to have some sort of punctuation after a period that is Halloween too, in my opinion, my opinion, only my opinion, Halloween H2O, close the book. Perfect. Okay. So she, they revisit it and they bring us to this, they bring us to Laurie Strode. You know, this Laurie Strode is, is in this really interesting place. Frankly, Laurie Strode is in a place that I wish that they would have taken Sidney Prescott in Scream 4 or what I would like to see them do in Scream 5. I think this this archetype of the, the final girl 20 years later in post, you know, suffering from PTSD and drinking too much and yada, 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 trying to forget what had happened to her all those years ago really works really well. Um, sadly, they needed once again to revisit the franchise, this time Blumhouse. I love, I just want to say one thing. I love Blumhouse. I love them. I I have so much respect for Blumhouse. Blumhouse is the dimension. If Lionsgate was the thing that was, was hot and popular in the, uh, in the two thousands, uh, Blumhouse took, took its place. So it went dimension in the nineties, I guess Lionsgate in the 2000s and then Blumhouse in the 2010s and still going, still ticket into 2021. Uh, a, a juggernaut powerhouse that is leaving a legacy, the likes of which nothing has seen before it. Um, and uh, yeah, but so they, of course, you know, they're bringing back uh, this franchise Halloween. They've done, they, they butchered Fantasy Island. They butchered Black Christmas from my understanding. I haven't seen the, the Black Christmas, but the Fantasy Island was atrocious. And they brought us back Halloween. They had Ryan Turek, who I absolutely loved watching on Shockwaves. Ryan's a great guy. 
uh, a great genre fan. They brought him in as like an associate producer. So, you know, I was really like sort of like, ah, they're going to have some tender, loving care with this thing. And I watched it and, you know, the Michael Meyer bits are great. I love them. I really do. I think they're stu- stupendous. I really feel like they captured the, the Halloween season. And I think the Laurie Strode stuff is just so bad. It's just so flawed. I just, why did you have to bring back Laurie Strode? Why not leave? Fine, bring back my, Michael Myers, but leave Laurie Strode out of this. Bring back Jamie, uh, whatever her face is, you know, uh, the, the, my, uh, Laurie Strode's daughter. Uh, she's great. She's great. Danielle Harris. She was great. Bring her back. You know, Kyle says Blumhouse loves using well-known titles to attract people into something completely different. They do. And they don't Kyle. I feel like sometimes Blumhouse really, here's the thing about Blumhouse. When they hit, they hit hard, like a great example. I don't know if you saw it's on, it's on Netflix. Check it out. It's this little like aquatic horror film called sweetheart. Phenomenal. Flawless. One of the best things Blumhouse has ever done. You know, uh, just cr- they crushed it. They crushed it. Uh, and then you get things like Fantasy Island where you're just like, what in the F is this nonsense? I mean, absolutely nonsense. Kyle says half and half. Gotcha. Yeah. So you, Kyle, you get it. You get it. Um, Let me, let me get to the meat of our article. I'm trying to get in and out in a half hour. I don't think that's possible. We'll see what happens. I wasn't expecting such a long intro, but let's, let's read this article. This is by Michael Kennedy. It was post six days ago from screen rant. I like screen rant that sometimes they have interesting, you know, they're always like sort of examining things, uh, you know, in films and, and uh, (laughs) yes, yes, I do know. That's right, Kyle. That's right. Um, okay. So let's take a look. Ready? So let's take a look at this. Uh, hold on one second. All right. We're going to read now. Halloween H2O handled Laurie Strode's character better than the 2018 reboot. And I could not agree more. I said it. I said this right after I saw Halloween 2018 after freshly revisiting Halloween H2O the first time in 20 years since I had seen it in 1998. Okay. So I saw Halloween 78 followed by Halloween H2O, both 1978, both uh, 1998. And now here we're getting, and then followed it up a few days later with Halloween 2018. So I really was steeped in the Halloween mythos um, for that brief period of time in October, uh, really taking appraisal of everything. And I got to tell you, I really think they they did not leave a sleeping dog lie with the character of Laurie Strode. That, That should be made clear. Leave everything else in Hall- in Halloween. Um, I said this already. I really just said this already. If you're going to do Halloween, if you're going to do Halloween uh, with Michael Myers, fine. Leave Laurie Strode out of it. She does not need to be it. Let's read. While Halloween's 2018 reboot was a critical and commercial hit, 1998's Halloween H2O arguably did Laurie Strode's character arc better. Could not agree more. When it comes to final girl heroines in horror films, Lori arguably sits at the top of the mountain. I would argue that. I would say that Sidney Prescott, up until Scream 3, sits even higher on the mountain. Because you want to know what they did with Sidney Prescott? They gave her a happy ending. That's right. She got a happy ending. And it was awesome. And I loved it. And then they undid that, of course, with Scream 4. Uh, it's also no coincidence that her portrayer, Jamie Lee Curtis, is arguably the greatest screen, screen queen in history. I guess that's true. Uh, John Carpenter's 1978 classic is a true masterpiece, yada, yada, yada. I think it's overrated. But then again, I think maybe if I had seen it when it came out, when there wasn't much like that, you had Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you had Black Christmas, you had, um, what else did you have in in, in way of slasher uh, stuff? Not much. There were a couple of things, but not much. Um, but, you know, it's regarded as a true classic. Um an assertion likely to find few challengers. Uh, again, I'm not. I'm not sure I agree with that. I'm really. Not, I'm really not sure. When director David Gordon Green and Star Curtis got together to correct uh, to craft a direct sequel to Carpenter's film, they were taking on a massive challenge. Thankfully, by most accounts, they succeeded in crafting uh, a follow-up far more worthy than most of the prior Halloween sequels. Still, that hasn't stopped some fans from being uh, critical of exactly how Green chose to portray Laurie Strode and her emotional and psychological reactions to encountering Michael's horrific Haddonfield murder spree 40 years later. This guy's a great writer. uh, Mr. Kennedy, 
Michael Kennedy, you're doing a great job. What does Kyle say? Um, before everyone and their dog ripped it off, you you mean, haha. I don't what do you mean? Uh what are you talking about? Are you talking about with Scream, uh, Kyle? I'm not sure. Or Halloween. Or you're probably talking about Halloween. Yes, everybody did. That's the thing. Listen, Halloween opened the door and allowed a lot of things to come in after it. And those things I think are better than Halloween. I like the idea. You know, I re when I rewatched that in the theaters, the 78 on, on uh, at my Alamo with the double feature with H2O, the thing that I took the big, my biggest takeaway from that screening was this idea of this concept of the, the boogeyman does exist and he's coming for you. And there's, there's no reason why. There's no logic to it. They gave us some logic or gave us some sort of motivation in the sequel when we find out that Laurie is related to Michael Myers. But that in the original film, that 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 notion is never explained or implied in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Halloween H40, Halloween 2018, they run with that. So they're not necessarily related or related at all in Halloween 2018, which I think was also a big mistake because when having them related sort of does add this, this sort of Shakespearean conflict in the same way that, that Darth Vader is the father of Luke Skywalker. These familiar connections add conflict and increase the stakes and you know, um, sort of make, spice everything up and make them more interesting. Uh, so there's that. So yeah, so they got together, they crafted a new sequel and they took it in a direction. Now, here's the thing. I think, and I don't know what this article is going to say because I, I haven't read it. I'm reading it live on the air. I've just read the headline, which uh, very much agrees with the narrative that, you know, I've always had in my head. And so we're reading this together live. But I do want to say this. I think that they went in the direction that they went with uh, for Halloween 2018, Halloween 4, what should I call it? Halloween 4.0, Halloween H4.0, no, Halloween 2018 Halloween, whatever. I don't know. I, I'm trying to differentiate. I hate it when they do that. Give it a different title. Don't, I know obviously it's all about brand recognition, but that really bothers me. Like with Scream 5, at least put the five at the beginning of the scream. So it like, you know, I don't know. I hate that. It's like they did it with Scream 3. Could have done it with Scream 2. You could do it with every Scream movie, as a matter of fact. Let's take a look at that real quick. Let's see. You do Scream like this, right? So that is, so that's how I would do Scream 2. Here's Scream. <laughs> oh, I can't spell. This would be Scream 3, right? Scream 3, like this. Ready? That's Scream 3. Scream. They just, they just swap it out the letters, man. You just keep swapping out the letters. This totally works. Like with the boy bands, what they did in the 90s, you know, Scream 4. And then obviously that's how I would do the fifth Scream. I would do it in caps to really make it flush. You know, look at that. Scream. There you go. That's how you should spell Scream. Sorry, I had to go on that tangent for a minute. Um, so, yeah. So they went in the direction that they went in for Halloween 2018 because of what had been done in Halloween H2O. They couldn't do the most likely thing because it had already been done and they, they wanted to retread, but in a different way. They had to take it in a different, fresh direction that John Carpenter would approve of. You know, they probably paid John handsomely just for his, uh, you know, hey, John, come do the music and we'll pay you handsomely so that you will um, co-sign the, the movie that we're making, no matter whether it's good or bad. While it's true that deep trauma affects everyone who experiences it differently, it can be easily argued that the way Green, uh, co-writer Danny McBride, it's so weird to think Danny McBride was the co-writer on this film. Danny McBride and Curtis opted to write Laurie for Halloween 2018 was unrealistic at best and fantastical at worst. Could not agree more. Um, that's not in any way meant to imply the film was bad overall. I also agree with that. It's not bad overall. I hate this. I hate a film that's good or bad. It doesn't work that way. There are some films that have great redeeming elements to them and are inherently flawed. There are some films that are completely flawed, but have a really good idea or a good concept and should be remade. You know, it's, there's never just good and bad or this film sucked. This film ruled. I hate that. I hate that sort of criticism. It's really stupid. Um, it says, uh, that's not in any way meant to imply the film was bad overall, but few movies are perfect. And this, this is one area of the process that definitely could have used 
some improvement and fine tuning. So Halloween H2O, Halloween H2O's Lori reacts more realistically to trauma. I Yes, 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 yes. I love the way they set her up. She's the head of a school. She drinks alcoholically. She's not about Halloween at all. She faked her own death and changed her name so that, you know, just in case he ever returned. She has a son, you know, which is like retro. They, they totally did away with the daughter angle, and now he has a son. Although I kind of like the idea that she did have a daughter. This is how I combine all the timelines for Halloween. Ready? She did have a daughter. When she died, she faked her own death or something happened. No, or maybe no. Oh, I was about to say she can. She had a daughter that she put up for adoption. How about that? And then she actually had a son later in life. And that's how you get both. That's how you have both timelines work together in the same way. Uh, I don't know. All right, maybe that was maybe that was really stretching it. <laughs> I tried. I tried. Um, yeah, but she has a son. She's a teacher, and she's changed her name, and she doesn't let anybody know about her past. I, I mean, that works. That's what Sydney Prescott would do too in the Scream universe. I think she kind of, sort of does it a little bit in Scream Three. In Halloween H two O, it is revealed that sometime after Michael's apparently fiery demise, thanks to Doctor Loomis at the end of Halloween Two, Lori changed her name to Carrie Tate. Totally, she would totally do that. Moved to California and started a new life for herself. She runs a secluded private school called Hillcrest Academy, where her son John is a student. Because of course, she would want to keep an eye on her son with all of that PTSD that she suffers. While Lori is very much haunted by the night her brother killed her friends and tried to kill her multiple times, her moving on to try and live some semblance of life rings pretty true and feels like an extension of the smart, capable young woman of what Lori was in 1978. Hold on one second. Dad, what's going on? I'm in the middle of a broadcast. I, I did set up the TV in the fitness room for you guys, but listen, let me let me call you back. I'll, I'll find out I'll, I'll, what mom can't log in to her to her things. All right. Well, you know what I could do? Maybe I could stop by later today and I'll figure it out for you. Okay. All right. I got to go. Okay. Bye. Sorry about that. My parents, they, my parents, they're, you know, old and they need help setting up Roku TVs in their house. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so anyway, yeah, she's very much, okay. So, uh, while Lori is very much haunted by the night her brother killed her friends and tried to kill her, right, I already read that, right. It, it rings true to, to, to the Lori of 1978. I, I agree. And even if it didn't, I feel like it's such a great place to take that character. She's not, um, she's not a superheroine. She's not a superhero. She's not a paranoid, uh, schizo that lives in the woods, She's just, you know, uh, she's just a normal woman who, 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 she's a final girl who made it through. It's really, truly in a way, you know, there are all these sort of like, there was this re resurgence of like the final girl, final girls, like, you know, or this, this trope that happened uh, in the last decade uh, in the 2010s of like, uh, what happens to the final girl after she survives the situation? I think the first true story of that actually happened in 1998 with H2O, you know, um, at the same time, her getting a new identity and moving clear across the country also makes logical sense. As in this continuity, she is still Michael's sister and she knows that was his motivation for targeting her so relentlessly. So there's so many timelines that that's just so, so crazy. Uh, as far as she knows, her and John are Michael's only remaining relatives, or at least the only ones he's likely aware of. So in this, I guess his, his, you know, mission in his life is to just kill all of his family for whatever reason. Um, it's also only been 20 years since his last rampage. And considering that, that it took him 15 years to escape Smith's Grove the first time, he clearly has no problem playing the waiting game. I mean, that part, I mean, whatever. I don't know. I forget the opening scene, the cold open where there's a kill is the, the murder of the nurse from the 1978 film. It's the same nurse and she gets murdered and Michael rifles through her records. And that's how she finds Laurie Strode and two, two youths, two youths, including a young Joseph Gordon Levitt, I believe are murdered uh, at the nurse's home. Uh, Laurie is also quite reluctant to fight Michael and only does so uh, once her drive to protect her son activates her mama bear instincts. Exactly. that You bring the son into it. 
the son could be murdered by Michael. She has to, she has to, she, it basically comes down to this. And this is why H2O works. Cause here's the thing about H2O, H2O it runs super tight. I think it's only 84 minutes long and they probably cut 15 minutes, right? Like there's probably so much more, like there's so much more we needed in that setup before the final uh, showdown. It really is just the bare minimum. There's no fat on the, on the bone that is uh Halloween H2O for, uh, and I think it's a, I think it's a, a, a negative. Uh, I think it's negative. I just think they were, they were, they were too, they, they cut too much is what I'm trying to say. They cut too much. Um, so, so yeah, so this idea of like, of Lori, who also has a cameo with her, her late mother, who the Janet Lee, who plays like this secretary, she, she was the, the first proto scream, scream queen. I don't know, not scream queen, but like, you know, when she was in psycho, she played, uh, she gets, she gets murdered in the shower in psycho. Um, they have a whole scene together. But in any case, the idea that she has to stop running, she has to turn around and face Michael here and now, and it's the only way she's ever going to break out of her PTSD or at least, you know, uh, put the nightmare to, to bed um, is if she faces Michael Myers. And that to me is so much better than what they have her do in Halloween 2018, where she's just waiting around and in the like I said in the 2018 one, she's not related to him, so he literally so Halloween two never happened. Halloween 2018 is a direct sequel to the original Halloween, which means Michael Myers murdered three people and got put in a mental institution. Why is he so famous? Why is he infamous? Why did people want to do podcasts about it? Go the Halloween murders? I guess, I guess. But and then he waits 40 years to come after her. It just doesn't. It doesn't work the same. For me, it didn't work the same. Or at least the idea that he comes after her 40 years later maybe works on Halloween. Fine. Maybe that works. You know what doesn't work for me? For sure doesn't work for me is that she has been preparing for the last 40 years for him to return. That doesn't work at all. Uh, and that, and okay, so here you go. Halloween 2018, turning Laurie Strode into a Sarah Connor is hard to buy. I love the idea of Laurie Strode as a Sarah Connor. I additionally love the idea. Okay, so here's here's my one conceit to this. This Laurie Strode works on two predications. Predication number one, that she did not chop off Michael Myers' head in H2O. And I think they, I forget what the reason why in Halloween Resurrection that Michael Myers comes back. She, he switched the bodies or something. So let's go with that. She does chop the head off in Halloween H2O, right? I mean, she doesn't chop his head off. She successfully defeats him and he gets locked up again. That's how you get a Sarah Connor uh, Laurie Strode. You don't get a Sarah Connor Laurie Strode. That's when she spends the next 20 years secluded in the woods, prepared for Michael Myers to return 20 years after their last encounter. That would work. Ignoring Halloween H2O and making Laurie Strode this way ever since she was 18 years old, that does not work. It does not work at all. It's too flawed. By contrast, Halloween 2018 deals with Laurie's trauma in a completely different way. She's clearly developed PTSD. Well, she also had an H2O, uh, which makes perfect sense, but, uh, but all but abandoning an attempt at normal life in favor of turning herself into a survivalist Warrior Hermit just doesn't fit with Laurie's portrayal in the first two films. While Jamie Lee Curtis gives a great performance as far as conveying the intent of Green and McBride's characterization, turning horror's greatest survivor into a gun-toting Sarah Connor clone feels very uh, false. Exactly. Uh, Kyle says... Uh, that never set that never set right with with Kyle. The podcasters are at fault for egg, for egging him on because that's what happens in 2018. They come to visit. They're doing a podcast. It's like a a serial. What is it, uh, Kyle? What is it? Is it serial? What is the thing? What is the name of that show? The the true crime show that everybody loves. They were kind of there were these two podcasters doing like a serial serial type show. I think it's called Serial, and that they egg him on. They bring him the mask. Lori's evolution was interesting, but it felt like she wouldn't be that messed up after 40 years. No, 
if anything, Lori would have written a book like like Sydney does in Scream Four. She would have gone on a book tour. She would she might have even been a minor celebrity. In fact, they would have made a movie. They would have made a a made for TV movie. Yes, Kyle confirms it's called Serial. Uh, they would have done a made for TV movie about the Halloween murders with Lori Strode forty years later. In fact, let's rewrite it right now. Okay, in my Halloween twenty fourteen, I okay. This is really armchair screenwriting here okay again no disrespect to danny mcbride no disrespect to david gordon green and no disrespect to blumhouse or, or, or ryan turk or any of those people this is just a fanboy nerd rewriting the story at the way that he would see it i think we all do this as ho as as horror nerds okay my take is to do what i just said with scream four and and laurie strode so laurie strode she survives the babysitter murders, right? The She survives Halloween babysitter murders. That's what it's called. It's known as the Halloween babysitter murders. None of the other stuff happens. 40 years goes by. Lori lives a very fruitful life as, you know, this, you know, true true crime celebrity, if you could call it that, where she, she almost, and there's almost like a moral, ethical ambiguity to her profiting off of, you know, um, you know what had happened to her and the the real deaths of all people all parties involved what's the name of the next door kid tommy who's that what's the uh uh the, the 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 little boy he comes back paul rudd plays him uh whoever i think his name is tommy he comes back as well and he's just kind of like he's also like a minor figure he goes up they go on book tours together she's written the the true crime account of what happened to her and that 40 years later it is finally being turned into a movie set to be released on halloween michael myers was captured he is in it's same thing same setup he's in but there's no podcasters instead they're on tv or somebody leaves a newspaper maybe somebody one of the guards they leave a newspaper in in the cell with Michael Myers, it somehow falls out. He's in like the day room of the of the the mental facility that he's in, and he reads about Laurie Strode, her acclaim, and the new movie that's coming out called it's called The Halloween Murders or The Halloween Babysitter Murders, something like that. And um, this, it, you know, he's literally reading the paper and he crumples it in his hands and rips it in two, you know. And uh, and he goes and he escapes. He gets a, a new mask. Uh, maybe he even <laughs> maybe he Lori's now in Hollywood, right? So she's in Hollywood running around, and then maybe Michael Myers follows her and actually encounters William Shatner, the real William Shatner, cuts off his head, skins his face, and sort of does a leather face thing with the real William Shatner face and paints it white and goes out so it's like the old it's just the way that michael has aged for 40 years so would the mask so the mask is an aged because everybody knows if you don't know william shatner uh they used a william shatner mask and painted it white for the halloween mask so the the ghost of the face of michael myers is actually william shatner as captain james t kirk kind of funny so he's running around hollywood sl uh, slicing and dicing uh, people in the face of with the face of William Shatner, they're doing the premiere. Halloween, the Halloween uh, premiere is happening. Laurie's there. So now, now what you have, you have uh, uh, the Scream Two movie within a movie stab thing going on. You have the book thing going on, and lastly, you have all the action take place, uh, uh, kind of like Last Action Hero. You know what I mean? Like where they, where where you have the the movie the movie Arnold meets the real Arnold in real life, something like that. And so the real Michael Myers is going around and slicing and dicing. And here's the thing. I think that it would be, it would not be considered aping or copying scream because it, you know, scream two happened so many years ago. Um, if anything, people would go, Oh, they took a page out of the scream two book. That's great. That would work. Uh, Kyle says that sounds like Scream to a degree. Does Myers run into Jane Silent Bob? Ha 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 ha. Well, they would be, it would be in Hollywood. So in any case, the premiere is happening, and Lori, the real life Lori, has to face down Michael Myers. And the thing is, maybe she's written herself to be more badass than she was, and maybe she does suffer from PTSD once these dead bodies start piling up. They there, there's there's a they say that there's a possible serial killer on the loose. 
There's no connection that it's Michael Myers. And, but everybody's, it, it, it amps up the buzz with the studio for the film. And finally, you get that epic showdown between Laurie Strode and Michael Myers in front of the silver screen as the movie is playing. The um, Laurie does the one, Laurie sets the play, the, the Chinese Man Theater on fire because that's where it's happening. It's premiering at the Chinese Man Theater, which is that iconic theater in uh, Hollywood. Uh, she sets it on fire. Everybody, it's just her and Michael inside. Everybody's vacated the the, the theater minus the, the dead bodies. Tommy, the whatever, the little boy next door. I forget. What's his name, Kyle? The, the boy next door. He gets killed, of course. And that's what really, you know, sort of, that's what sets off uh, Lori Strode's PTSD in this version, right? So she's not a, a Sarah Connor by any means, but she does have to face off against Michael. And it's kind of more of like the story of, the hero who's taken all of the clout, like instead of not that final girls, right, right. S, what is that? Yeah, scream. Got it. S cream. Got it. Like that. I like that. That's good, Mr. Roach. Yes, Tommy. So, so you know those, you know that trope that you see in some films where it's like the hero, everybody thinks they're the hero, but really they're not much of a hero inside and they have to prove that they're a hero, kind of like that trope. Uh, so that's what happens to Laurie, and that's how the movie concludes with – and there is no sequels. There's no Halloween kills, and there's no Halloween ends. That's it. It's just that's how you end Halloween 4.0, and that's my personal version if I ran the zoo, if you gave me the keys to the kingdom. Let's let's finish this article off. Um, for one, she's not so, – so they're talking about um, – they're talking here that the Sarah Connor clone feels very false. Fine, fine. Uh, for one, she's not Michael's sister anymore and has no reason to believe she was anything more to him than a potential victim he took a shine to upon seeing her in Haddonfield. Exactly. Exactly. Now, now in my, in my version of the movie, that's not the case because when he sees the paper and his name and pictures of him and her and the connection, that's what makes him seek her out again and brings uh, you know all that stuff to the surface for a long dormant uh, shape, aka Michael. Um, Lori has zero reason to believe he would try to come after her again or anyone in her family again, as the tie has been excised. There's also the issue of the timeline when it comes to Lori's behavior, which deserves its own focus. Halloween 2018's timeline makes Lori's behavior even odder. Um, while no one would ever try to claim that having one's friends murdered by a psychopathic killer and almost being killed herself shouldn't be a thing that haunts Lori to some extent, the timeline in Halloween uh, 2018 stretches credibility as to how she handles her issues. Uh, they say time heals all wounds, uh, exists for a reason, and while the pain of her experience might never fully vanish, it's hard to believe it would have it's hard to believe it wouldn't have faded at some point over the last four decades. To think that Lori would, would dedicate nearly her entire life to prepping for a return by Michael that she felt for some reason feels is eventual instead of just moving on uh, as best as she can feels a bit cartoonish and melodramatic. I totally agree. All right, let's take that back. For two, There's two things I want to I talk about here. She says, they say time heals all wounds for a reason and the pain of her experience might never fully vanish, but that eventually it would have faded and she would have moved on. I am, I do not suffer from PTSD and you want to know something? I'm not going to, this writer makes an assumption that, you know, oh, oh, you have PTSD, get up. You, you know what? People have, PTSD is a really crazy thing. I think it's not totally fully understood. Here's Eric, Eric with his comment. Wow. <laughs> I love Eric. I love I love your comments when you say wow. Hello, Rue. Nice to see you, Rue. Uh, I finally got to meet Rue face to face in a Zoom in a Zoom room. It was awesome. It was it was very nice to meet you, Mister Rue. Um, sorry, I lost my place. Okay, yeah. Uh, you know you can't you can't say that about PTSD. We don't know. You know PTSD affects people in such crazy nuanced ways. It seeps into the brain. Uh, it, it seeps down into the medulla oblongata where, you know, your fight and flight instincts are there and affects people in all sorts of crazy ways. It would be insane to make such an assumption, even for a fictional character. So maybe she really is, you know, all you need is, you know, it's like the killing joke. If anybody follows DC, 
Um, Alan Moore wrote The Killing Joke. It's one of the most famous Joker stories slash origins. And in it, uh, 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 in a nutshell, the Joker tries to make Commissioner Gordon go insane by proving that you can go insane from having one bad day. And I think that's true, man. I think that's so true. And I think that could easily be true for Laurie. So I disagree with the writer, Mr. Kennedy, uh, on, on that point. Now, the second point, to think that Laurie would dedicate nearly her entire life to preparing for return by Michael, that she for some reason feels is eventual. It's not that she would be, but I, the idea of her preparing for Michael to return when he never does totally would work even 40 years later, I guess. I guess. However, um, that the idea that she thinks it's eventual does not necessarily work. It might maybe in her head, but not in reality. And in this, they make it seem like this was just such an epic thing that we that 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 everybody in this sort of world had been waiting for, let alone less alone her, that she was the one that was waiting for it. I don't know. It just, it does not, that does not work for me. After all, in this continuity, Michael is a guy who killed her, killed his sister as a kid, killed a few more people in 1978. Three people, four people. He, Michael killed four people. That's not to say, listen, one person being killed is too many people, but four people in the scheme of, of, of body counts like Jason, who has... 115 kills or Freddie who has a hundred something kills. It's, it's a drop in the bucket, right? Um, he got locked up and he's been quietly in custody for a whopping 40 years. He's almost a senior citizen and has made no escape attempts in all that time. As mentioned, he also has no real motivation to want to target Lord. See, now the writer is just repeating his initial thesis again. I, we, we, yes, this is redundant. We know he doesn't want to target Lori or her family. Uh, if he does escape instead of, just claiming other random victims. Sorry. He also has no real motivation to want to target Lori and her family if he does escape instead of just claiming other random victims. Outside of her simply being the one that got away, no vendetta exists. Although, again, in my idea, it is okay. I here I here I am being redundant. In my idea, the the one that got away vendetta does work. It's very it's sound. Lori has absolutely no reason to jump to the conclusion that he'll suddenly become active again after forty years, uh, forty years after his rampage, and that she'll uh, and that she'll be needed to put him down. Um, okay, this I think is going to be a big disagreeing factor for me. Halloween 2018 is still a much better film than Halloween H2O. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Even if Halloween H2O handled Laurie's personal character arc better than the 2018 reboot, and that's a debate that will surely rage on among fran franchise fans for years to come, it is important to make clear that David Gordon Green's movie is still a much better follow-up to John Carpenter's classic than H2O. No, I disagree. It's better written overall, better directed, has a better cast lineup, and doesn't have a Michael Myers mask so awful that it's hard to look look at it for all those who love the shape character. I will say the mask in Halloween 2018 is flawless. It's the best one by far, and it's amazing to think there are some real goofy ones. I think Halloween 4 and Halloween 5 have the goofiest version, you know. Kyle agrees. Halloween H2O is better, much more fun. Yeah, man. It's just, it just, it just works better. It just works better. Uh, still, one hopes that Green, McBride, and Curtis try uh uh try to use the sequels Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends as opportunities to try and improve their arc for Lori Strode, perhaps providing more information that could help better explain why she became who she became. Uh, if they don't, though. Their Halloween sequels will probably be light years better than the Drek, like Halloween Resurrection, Halloween Five. So, so that's the end of the article. It's a great article. I think it's um, Mr. Kennedy did a great job overall. Um, I agree too. Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends are opportunities since they're making a trilogy out of these films. These are opportunities to go back in time and give us flashbacks of what might have happened in forty years to sort of fill in a little bit more. Um, the story, it will give everything more impact. Secondly, the reason why I think Halloween 2018 does not work is because you would imagine, and this is before we knew we were getting sequels, period. 
Um, you would imagine that they would have killed Laurie Strode. This is where you kill off Laurie Strode. We're taking one last bite of the apple. We're doing it with Halloween 4.0. Make it epic. They're dying in a, they're, they're fighting in, in a giant fire, just the way I would have in the end of my <laughs> the Jeff version. Um, like, kill her. Kill her off. She has to die. Like, you know, uh, and I feel the exact opposite about, about Sydney Prescott for a lot of reasons. But you got to kill off Laurie Strode if you're going to bring her back like this. You just got to. And they didn't. They they really took. They're like, ooh, we, we, we see green here. We got to keep this going. So they're repeating. History repeats the same mistakes, uh, chasing capitalism in the sense of, well, there's more dollars to be made on this franchise. And we want to keep going with the story and, you know, give something. And, in, you know, in that way, there are people that are such diehard fans of this series. You know, I... I know what it is to want more of something that I love, you know, whether it's Return of the Living Dead or Scream or Mad Max, no matter how bad it is, I want to return. I want more Michael Myers, you know what I'm saying, if I was a Michael Myers fan, which I'm not. Um, I understand that. And so for Halloween fans, I'm very happy for Halloween fans that they're getting two more sequels. And who knows, maybe they'll even do spinoffs, you know, knowing knowing these 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 Hollywood Hudsucker types. Not Blumhouse in particular. Um, so we'll see. I'd love to see Blumhouse tackle, give Blumhouse Friday the 13th. Give them, you know, I know there's rights issues with that, but give them, give them Friday the 13th. Give them uh, Nightmare Before, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, I like the idea of them doing that sort of stuff. I love the idea of them doing horror versions of things that are not horror to start off with. Like, for instance, why don't, okay, give Blumhouse Family Matters and let them do a horror version of Family Matters. Think about that. A horror version of Family Matters by Blumhouse. How would that go? Let's make that our final thing as we wrap up this episode. Hold on. Kyle says, I prefer Zombies Mask, but that's technically not canon in this scenario. There you go. Robbie says, um, where do you think they could take it that makes it exciting with the upcoming sequels? Robbie, uh, I well, I said this just a few moments ago before you joined us, I'm assuming. Uh, I think that they have to fill in those 40 years that that Laurie Strode was, um, you know, just sort of turning herself into Sarah Connor. And so whatever happens with Michael Myers, who's now probably stalking the Strode family, I would also imagine that they're going to flash back to the childhood uh, of the daughter, right? And the granddaughter and sort of do something with that. I don't know, man. I thought... See, I thought all the Laurie Strode stuff was a mess. Rewatch the episode. You'll see what I'm talking about. I want to talk about this for a minute, though. How would Blumhouse, how would Blumhouse do a horror adaptation of Family Matters? Um, I would, it would, it would work like this. The Winslows, they move into their house next door uh, is Urkel, the Urkel family. Urkel loves Laura, right? And he is also a science whiz. And Laura does not love him back. The same unrequited love that you see throughout the series. Um, we never see Steve's parents throughout the Family Matters series. And that's because in the horror version, Steve killed his family and has been living there as if his parents are, because he didn't want to be taken away by child protective services. So now he is, he is living as if his parents are still alive in his house. And he wants to, he's taxidermied them. Or better yet, he's removed their brains and put them into robot bodies, and they uh, kind of still exist, but in this robot form, uh, almost to the point where, <laughs> almost to the point where, um, uh, you know, Carl knocks, Carl is so annoyed by, by Urkel's clumsiness, because he's still very clumsy, and I think that, and I always thought this about the show, Urkel manifests his, Urkel's clumsiness is a manifestation of deep-seated anger, depression, and passive aggressiveness. So every time Urkel, you know, accidentally is clumsy, there's some sort of deep-seated, malevolent, malicious intent behind breaking Carl's trophy or smashing a window. And it has to do with this deep-seated notion that he wants to be a part of the Winslow family. And that's what would happen in my horror version. He wants to do what he did with his parents. He wants to. So, oh, no, now this is turning into Get Out. <laughs> it's sort of like Get Out, but instead of, uh, transplanting brains into other people's bodies. Urkel is transplanting brains into robot bar bodies 
that he can control so that his family can be bigger. And he wants to take, he wants to move into the Urkel house. He wants to marry Laura and he's going to replace her whole family with robots and start, you know, uh, start, start anew. And he has all sorts of science experiments, like horrific science experiments that, that help him with this. And, you know, he's bullied and there are scenes where he gets bullied and then he retaliates with some sort of horrible science uh, experiment. Uh, you know, something for, callbacks to the show. Like they actually do things from the show. Like instead of turning into Bruce Lee, uh, Steve would turn into something else. Or you know, again, going back to he he does have the Urkelbot. The Urkelbot is uh, his his slave, his servant. Maybe he turns he turns Eddie. Eddie pushes him to the brink, and he the first person that he assimilates into his you know uh, robotic family is Eddie who's very much like a, a, a Frankenstein monster, dare I say even Blackenstein, you know, going the exploitation route, you know, and sort of just, uh, uh, you know, goes and, and uh, helps him procure the rest of the Winslows. And it's up to Carl and Laura to stop the madness. Carl's a cop. And, you know, it ends with, you know, uh, Carl, you know, using his service revolver to, he has to take out his own son and then he has to take out, uh, Steve, um, uh, or something. And that is, or no, you know how it ends. It ends. Steve uses Eddie's Frankenstein robotic self to, uh, take his own brain out of his body and put it into, uh, Stefan Urkel body. Uh, and Stefan Urkel is actually just some pretty boy that Laura has a crush on at her school. Steve realizes that he could still be with Laura if he puts his brain in in this body and he goes by the name Stefan Urkel. So it's not a potion that he drinks. He transplants his brain. So it's all about brain transplants in ripping off. <laughs> Get out. There you go. That's the end of the Jeff show. If you enjoyed this Jeff show, like, comment, subscribe, buy a coffee. Uh, we'll be back again. We'll be back more new episode of pizza punk this Friday with my friend, Michael J. Wolf of the band wolf face phenomenal guy check that out that that drops at 3 p.m on friday uh more videos more episodes of pizza punk coming uh more stuff so stay tuned and peace and hair grease yeah